All right. Welcome to Union Thoughts. I'm Connor Lewis, editor of the labor publication Strike Wave, and I'm joined by Jeffrey Barawa and Diana Hussein. Um, we've got a really interesting episode. Um, I'm, as uh, they'll both tell you, very excited about this. Um, but you were first, before we get it, into you, that, you wouldn't shut up about it all weekend. Oh, yeah, it was it was obnoxious, um, which is not that unusual for me. <laughs> you said it, not me. Yeah. Um, so before we get into that, uh, how's everyone doing? Um, this week we have Calvin um, Solo joining us in the cat world. Cool. Phoebe is going to give birth to kittens any day now, so I'll keep I'll keep the show posted on any kitten updates. I can't believe Jeff, your your life is just gonna have like seven kittens. Gonna, of, you're gonna go from zero kittens, and then all of a sudden, seven kittens are gonna be in, less, in your life in less than a year. I had zero kittens a year ago. I had gotten Sam in probably June of last year. We got Phoebe like right around New Year's, and now we're gonna have seven kittens. We got Sam on June first. This is I'm, a reminder my, to my director, spay and neuter your animals. Um, my, my director is telling me that we got Sam on June first. And that's June first. That's my wife and my anniversary for everything. Okay, June first. Okay, fantastic. Um, so you enjoying that bottle of wine you just opened for her before we started recording? She's loving it. Hell yeah! What kind of wine was it? Uh, Chenin Blanc. Ooh, very fancy. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, unlike Diana and uh, Jeff, my um, my recording bunker is barely large enough for me, let alone any of my cats, especially one of them has gotten um, a little chunky, uh, shall we say. Um, so uh, definitely not enough room for her, unfortunately. So with this episode, we're going to release a screenshot of Connor in his bunker. So look for that on our Twitter sphere. I'm very strongly considered. So I'm actually wearing my glasses for this episode. They're just like Warby Parker hipster bullshit glasses. Um, I'm very strongly considering for future episodes getting like full David Koresh like glasses to complete like the fringe bunker look kind of like I'm in Far Cry 5 or something. It's a little bit warm. But other than that, um, I mean, Jeff and Diana can see how much I love it, right? It's a hell of a bunker. It's the best. You look bunker. so co- You look so happy in your bunker. That's the thing. I want to release the screenshot of Connor in his bunker, not because it's a troll, but because I feel like all of us can use uh, the pure joy and delight as as what Connor feels. That maybe we can spread a little bit of it by showing you all that that pure we joy should, and delight. We should have regular bunker updates just just as a part of the show. I think that should maybe be with the the some, what we yeah. do on posting on social media. Like a bunker check. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's, let's get on with it. And then we'll, we'll, we'll come back to a uh, bunker check with Connor. And if anyone has any suggestions on how to like add to the bunker, any bunker, I'm tips, all ears. Any bunker tips, just send them to uh, union thoughts yeah. at gmail.com. Yes, please do share. So um, we do have a really interesting topic um, for this week. We are going to be talking about union busting. Now, especially right now, I think a lot of folks um, are 
familiar with a lot of the union busting that's happening right now from employers throughout the corporate world, especially with pandemic stuff going around, worker activity at places like Amazon, Target, Whole Foods, Instacart, you name it. So we thought we'd talk a little bit about what union busting actually is. Um, you know, what does the term even mean? Um, you know, what, what's the background and how does union busting actually play out in American workplaces? So I guess first Jeff and Diana, like, how would you define union busting? I was just going to ask, what is union busting? I'm just a hapless worker. It is disgusting. Oh. Oh, well, we can end the podcast there. Um, I mean, it really is when you boil down into um, what union busting is, it really is pretty disgusting. I mm -hmm. mean, so union busting, I mean, if you're if you're going to define it, it really is just management trying to get rid of unions, trying to stop unions from forming, trying to get rid of existing unions. Um, it's got a pretty long history. In fact, it's got a history as long as uh, organized labor has been around. So like, Jeff, when you think about union busting, like what's like historically, what, what's the image that comes to mind? The Pinkertons. Yeah, I mean, Diane, is that the same for you? No, mine's usually like a guy in like a button-up shirt, maybe white or like a light blue coming into your break room to tell you about things, like a special guest from corporate. <laughs> I'm also just thinking of the show Superstore. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, we're, we're not getting paid for this. Nobody's going to pay us for anything. Uh, and we wouldn't take it even if they would. Um but you really, you all really should watch the episodes of you uh, of Superstore about union busting because it's actually an incredible portrayal of how union busting occurs in American workplaces. So, what happened in Superstore? Appropriately, the episode is called Labor. What what happened in Superstore? Can you describe it a bit? Um, it's actually pretty funny the way they set it up, and it's worth watching the whole scene because, like, it like they basically say accidentally say the word union while on a call with corporate, and then like within minutes. <laughs> Within seconds, they're like on a call, like with like all these corporate people and telling them that they're going to send somebody over to the store. And the next morning they have this guy, this like nerdy looking guy coming in That's with donuts and offering like cool stuff and phrases, trying to talk to them about why the company cares about them and like not that pesky union. And it's great because there's a whiteboard they bring in. It's just so worth putting pause on the scene just to mm -hmm. see exactly they like write out union and every letter stands for something and it's just like it's a really i mean overall the show has done a good job taking on like the constant narrative of like the workers organizing throughout the seasons i think now they're on five uh -huh. and it's unfortunate america ferrero's leaving and they actually have to end the show right now with this big ass cliffhanger of like the part one of the two-part season finale because part two never got finished filming uh -huh. But it's still worth watching the whole show. And clearly, I got a little too excited and hyped up about talking about one episode. Now I'm just shilling for the whole no, damn series. Okay. But like, the, this but is think, now a Superstore fan yeah. uh, podcast. We're going to go through the Union entire Thoughts series. Brought to you by Superstore yeah. Thursdays on NBC. But I guess, I guess one of the things, one of the things that you just touched on that is Jesus, Jesus Christ. We just did the ding, ding, ding. Um, <laughs> Why are you a peacock now? No. Um, so anyway, the uh, one of the things that you did touch on is that when a boss hears the word union, they freak out, don't they? 
not their favorite thing in the world to know no. that their workers are like you know collectively engaging they're against it aren't they <laughs> yeah and you know this it's really interesting like the superstore image of like this really nerdy kind of non-threatening you know kind of friendly but in a really corporate way kind of like attorney or hr specialist coming in is really like a far cry from you know a lot of people if you look oh. back at the history of american labor are going to be thinking about like pinkertons and yeah. calling in the national guard and like people fighting and people dying which literally has happened and, and we, i like, think we need to take a moment to determine to, to sort of like to, for the benefit of our audience describe what the pinkertons are now the pinkertons are a private organization that would essentially spy on workers and undermine union activity on the job right and you know especially in like the american west uh in the late 19th early 20th century there effectively was no government and quite frankly even if there was government it wasn't going to be on the side of workers and so a lot of um a lot of employers brought in private security agencies, detectives, whatever, to spy on uh, to spy on workers to literally break, you know, uh, strikes. Even discredit, as late as and, the, and, and discredit individuals when right. possible, and and like do like essentially to just like break union or any kind of you know co coordinated action by violence if necessary. And it would go all the way up to the race to the point of state violence, but the Pinkertons were just a level before it got to that. And I mean, this was really common in the U.S. up through the 1930s. I mean, in the 20s and 30s, one of my favorite examples of union busting, because it's just so bizarre, is that Columbia University, uh, there was a strike in New York City and Columbia University's football coach literally took, and at that time, they were almost all upper class Um Literally oh, took Ivy Columbia League, University's and, football team and broke up a strike as practice. It was yeah. team building. And Ivy League University broke up a strike, like had their football team break up a strike. Yeah, they just literally brought in like football players, all upper class. It was like, yeah, it's a team building exercise. Let's break up a strike. It's, it's the opposite. I think the thing to be scary, scared of is if like actual like Division One uh, universities uh, football teams were called up. You just said Ivy League. Like, what strikes going to be broken up by an Ivy League football well, I guess team? This I mean, was come on, guys. This, this was the 1930s when the Ivy Leagues actually <laughs> mattered. I suppose. Actually mattered. That was before the SEC was a thing. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, could you imagine if they brought in like the Michigan football team yeah. to break up a strike? It, it would be over. Look, this was. This I think was, you're overrating the Michigan football this was, team. This right was decades. Hell. This was decades before LSU was kicking the shit out of uh, Michigan, okay? Uh, oh, but it was Christ. also decades when Michigan was kicking the shit out of everybody. Like, Michigan is like a hundred-year football dynasty. Thank you very much. All right. We're going to get into a football <laughs> conference pissing match here, which, frankly, the SEC is going to win. But we'll Big leave Ten that sucks. Aside. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, I, I live in State College. I literally bet two or three miles from Penn State's uh, stadium. My Beaver Lloyd stadium. car needs less miles. Thank you. <laughs> so, all right. But that aside, I mean, like Coach up through OMG. the 1930s, 40s, like that kind of union busting was really common. But now you've got like these squeaky clean, we care about the workers. Like the union busters traded in their rifles and pistols for briefcases. 
but yeah, still but the you same know, thing. You know, deep down, they would love to yeah. bring the rifles on workers. Yeah, they, like, if they could, oh, yeah. they would. Yeah, they just oh, wear, yeah. The difference is that they're wearing soft collared shirts. And <laughs> they're, they're, they're coming and they're like, well, let me tell you why your boss is so wonderful. A lot of earth tones, <laughs> yeah. you know. Like jewel tones. Very, jewel very, tones. Yeah. Uh, so I guess... The question is like so some listeners may have um have worked in a job that you know you've sat through kind of like a video if you've worked in retail especially sat through like a video of why you know we're a, a union free why why we're such a happy family and why we don't want unions and how to recognize unions have either of I you love, been in a job where I love the that's metaphor. happened I love the metaphor every single job I've ever had has talked about how we're a family and I had a really great conversation with my friend Leo on my other show, Good Morning Comrade, about this kind of thing where uh, we kind of talked about how when you're talking about being the family, but as soon as, you know, your dad, who I guess is the CEO, if you're going to like stretch this metaphor, thinks that you're, you know, not. So, as soon as the money's down, apparently you're out of the family, you're kicked out and, it's, and you're done. You know, it's it's like not a very not a very solid and coherent family. You know, whenever whenever you th- talk about like the boss that says like family, 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 I always obviously think of the character Michael Scott, and now oh. I'm getting a little mad because they only had one episode in which Jan was trying to be a union buster and was trying to get Michael to bust a union, but Michael, because he wants everybody to like him, wasn't trying to do it. Yeah. But now that I think about it, why wasn't that whole show about unionizing? Like, Michael Scott, like, talked about how much he loved his family, and then as soon as, like, he didn't like his boss, he quit, took a couple of them, and then stole everyone's clients. Hmm. I mean, that's a really interesting question. Like, in a show about the American workplace, one of the like the real like first groundbreaking shows to focus entirely on the American workplace in Scranton, no less. How did they barely talk about unions, if at all? And when they did, it was in one episode. If if you don't remember what I'm talking about, it's the one where they do Boys and Girls Day and Michael couldn't sit still. He was getting so anxious because Jan was having a meeting with just the women in the conference room and he like got so irritated and wanted attention. It was shortly after him and Jan kissed. So he was extra obnoxious. So he goes down to the warehouse and starts trying to like engage with them. What did he call it? Like a guy's like vent session something like stupid he's hanging out with the dudes who are like moving like moving the the stock the warehouse (laughs) guys and then from that the the warehouse guys who were angry started talking about how yeah no we got nothing that we can relate to you you're the boss you sit pretty upstairs while we all we do all this work if you really wanted to be one of the guys then you would support us because we need a union and then like within minutes he goes to Jan, who's the oh, like the corporate boss over Michael, and she has to come and like threaten to shut down the warehouse. Yeah, fire them all. Within that was their one episode of unions. You know, you know what's a funny thing about that too is like there was this sort of dichotomy, and and I don't mean to get too head ass theory about this, but like there is a component of that where um, Michael Scott, who's the boss character for the office for people who don't know, he kind of like thinks along these specific gender dynamics and these sort of like identity dynamics. And, um, he 
like like I think you were pointing this out in a in a very in a very real sense, but like he kind of relates in those sort of like boy girl terms, and then he goes and he talks to like people who sweat for a living essentially and like pick up heavy shit, and he was like, hey, you're like more like me because we're dudes, you know, and they're like, well, fuck you. Michael Scott unions are for the fellas. Yeah, you sign papers and I like move fucking pallets, you know? (laughs) I mean, so this is actually a really interesting question that kind of draws out like the difference in the moment we're in versus like 10 years ago. Like I also think of, um, I think of uh, whatchamacallit, 30 Rock. There are a couple of episodes where they did mention unions. There was one specifically where the Teamsters, and of course, like for anyone that knows, uh, entertainment is incredibly unionized. Everyone in entertainment from the writers, um, like everyone is union. And they barely mentioned it except for one episode where the blue collar workers on the show that were all Teamsters uh, brought sandwiches for everyone. Right. And basically there's this how whole, how bad yeah. did those, how good did those sandwiches look, man? I still want they one did, of those. Yeah. The, the, uh, the sauce sounds so delicious. Yeah. Like they literally like, and it was actually kind of cool because they basically made it as though like part of the Teamsters contract was that they literally were able to like keep the sandwich place secret and you had yeah. to defeat them and into like, in a drinking contest to learn the location. That's right. It was literally in their contracts. Yeah. Which is kind of cool, but like it, it's it's amazing that like 10 years ago during the recession, you have a show that is portraying the inner workings of one of the most heavily unionized industries in America. They barely talk about unions. But now we're in a moment where you're talking about retail, which is barely union, and you've got a season multiple season-long story arc. That's all about unions. Tells you where the boss's head's at, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, the thing that from the very first scene of the show Superstore, I knew I actually like when I saw the character Jonah have that conversation and you got to watch the show. I'm going to stop giving spoilers. Just watch the show if you want to know the context or if you want something to do in quarantine. But I was like, Jonah's assault. Like, I swear to God, I like I got the sense from this show that it was about labor, but it's hard not to because it's a show that is focused on a worker group that happens to be in the context of like like an environment we know has been the topic of workers and like their rights. And that's Mm -hmm. Walmart because the show is so clearly Walmart. But now they've actually introduced a plot in which the the cloud nine, which is the name of the their Walmart store, got sold to a Silicon Valley tech company. So they've introduced Amazon. distribution They're centers. Amazon it's Amazon and Walmart. It's all of them combined. And like wow. now there's like the companies like, you can have your phones on the floor, but you have to download this app that tracks you. And it's like oh, every episode shit. this season has, oh, it's just so good. I've never watched this show, but I think I have oh, to now. You need to, wa- you need to watch it. So this is actually a fantastic segue because part of what we're, we're aiming to talk about is this is a moment where it seems like bosses more than ever are freaked the fuck out about the possibility of union organizing. And especially in places that maybe unions haven't been as successful organizing um, over the past couple of decades. And I think that you can see that kind of that kind of vibe kind of bleeding over into popular culture in a way it just didn't 10 years ago. So thinking about like, We'll start with, uh, there are a couple of different ways of 
union busting. And actually, one of the interesting ones Diana just brought out, uh, brought up that Superstore actually addressed. But just thinking about what union busting is, um, we can start, I guess, with uh, non-union workplaces. So what are what's like the playbook that union busters use? I mean, family was we, one that we mentioned earlier, the one the way they say that we're all in this together and like the CEO and management is dad and like we're all playing our part. Uh, sorry, Sam just joined us on the show. Yeah, I mean, the emphasis of like family, you know, corporate is listening um, is all like really part of kind of, I mean, trying to keep a union organization out of the workplace. So to kind of set up this episode, we actually pulled together um, a couple of different pieces from different um, mega law firms that bill themselves as what's the euphemism union avoidance, trying to help employers keep productive in union. Union avoidance is a, 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 a less combative way of saying union busting. Like, right, that's just what right. it is. So we're not we, anti-union. No. We just have a, an opinion that's yeah. not neutral. Right. Yeah. We're, we're, we, not, we we're, we're not anti-union. We're just against unions. Yeah. My favorite is like right you, for, yeah. you just said um, um, the company is listening. Corporate is listening. It's like now the newest union busting tactic no. is to actually listen and track and yeah. map out and follow you and whatever they could like download onto your phones and that's, eavesdrop. That's what an surveillance. Op- that's what an open door policy is. <laughs> that's what yeah. it is. When they say the corporate is listening, they're unintentionally telling on themselves. Sam um, is so- gnawing at Jeff <laughs> right now. Jeff's oh, pet Sam just bit him, and we all saw. Yeah, <laughs> Sam is getting aggressive here. Yeah. He's, he's, um, he's me when I'm talking to corporate, and they're saying that we're family. <laughs> So I I think that we should maybe play a so I I went down the rabbit hole this weekend and I discovered Boy, that a, I discovered that um a notorious union busting firm based in Philadelphia called Cousin O'Connor by the way Cousin Cousin O'Connor what's that Hey my cousin Yeah <laughs> So Cousin O'Connor the uh law firm also for those of you that aren't aware is one of the major bundlers for joe biden and has actually hosted a number of fundraisers uh for him in the philadelphia area where his campaign is headquartered um we'll probably loop back to the connection between union busters and uh, politics in a little bit but i discovered over the weekend that they have a podcast no get out of here yeah Oh. Is it like us? Were they born in quarantine? Like what? Um, I don't think they're bored in quarantine. They're boring people in quarantine. But um, ch- oh, Connor with the jokes. Yeah. Connor, hey. who, who picked Connor as the funny one of the trio? Wind- windmill yeah. dunk right here by Connor on cousin yeah. whatever. That was a that was a peak dad joke. Um, and you don't even have kids. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Don't get me started just on Bermuda grass. So, um, I think that we're gonna well, we're gonna listen to a couple of clips from this podcast. I think that we should start off with their intro. Here we go. 
The time is now. reminds me of immediately when it says the time is now is that when John Cena enters to a wrestling show oh my his god song is like time is up your time is now you know? time is now wow what a call to action yeah i oh, am honestly like i literally just opened up the podcast out of curiosity and time is now i truly like i died like That's that intro That's some groovy alone. tunes, guys. Yeah. Oh, these are some cool dudes. Um, you can definitely tell from the intro. Mm -hmm. Especially that very, like, the time is now. It totally it's had real... that kind of sense that he's in some sort of bunker, I like, say, deep yeah, in some it's basement. True. It's true. I, I will yeah, say that I... there is certainly a sense of urgency because of that. <laughs> so, Can we play the, the time is now part one more time? Yeah, let's play that again. The time is now. The time. Is he talking to the inside of a bucket? Honestly, he's got worse like studio quality than we have to be pissed <laughs> off. I'm literally recording bar. in my closet. I'm recording in my closet, and it's still better production. Value. I mean, like, like it yeah, sounds like he's like got one of these motherfuckers on this show behind in his closet. It's like it seems like he's that whole line. That was please. Yeah. Shut me out. It sounds like he's shouting into a coffee can. <laughs> okay, like let's play the other like real like show show clips. All right, cool. All right, here is one called Furloughs. Wav. You got the high quality sound, by the way. You sending me Wav files. Yeah. Furloughs and all those types of things, and job security has always been a factor that mattered in union organizing. You know, pre-pandemic world, it didn't seem so significant with. Um, you know, under hold on a second there. Job security matters to union organizing. Big if true. Yeah, is wow, that true? Guys. All right, let's continue. Significant with, um, you know, under 4% unemployment or wherever it was nationwide. Post-pandemic, it's going to be an issue, and there's going to be a lot of people looking to say, where can I find that security? And I think unions will really attempt to exploit that fear, and that fear will be real, and it will exist. So unions are trying to make it so that you're scared to get like to, to sort of like mute the hiring? Is that what that, that guy's trying to say? I appreciate that they're acknowledging that the fear is real. They have absolutely all the reason to fear their job security and unions and their pesky it ain't the grubby fuck, it hands ain't the are gonna be all exploitive of that. It ain't the union's fault. <laughs> and you know, right before that clip they mentioned something about how unions can actually protect jobs, which is crap. Um, and if they can, it's because of assholes like them. Um, because if but, they're busting the union, then those union, those, they can't guarantee a union negotiated CBA. But I mean, like, I don't know. I, I listened to that clip and I think that this is like, this is modern union busting crocodile tears bullshit 101. Like, oh, that fear is real. We acknowledge it, but you shouldn't do anything about it. Yeah. So, so. And I, if unions try to promise anything better, well, that's just, that's just exploiting you. 
I think it brings up a, com uh, a critical component in union busting because when you when you mentioned earlier when you asked the question what union busting is, um, like one of the tactics that takes place, I suppose, is to create this idea that unions and workers are two distinct entities, and that is one of the things that um, I think trips up, uh, and it's it's a very well executed tactic, I would suggest. Um, but but when when bosses do that successfully, um, essentially they they make the so so what unions are are at you know again what unions are fundamentally are a, a they are an organizational apparatus of unions or of, I'm sorry of workers and workers expressing themselves as a group and saying we want this now what bosses want to do. And unfortunately, far too often, um, workers and union leaderships fall into the trap of is saying like like buying that, taking that bait, and sort of like splitting themselves along those lines. And we need to find ways to make sure that that does not happen as workers and as generally unionists and union supporters. Yeah, I work in communications for a labor union, and like on campaigns some more in particular like half the fight in doing communications campaigning is like making sure the boss doesn't get away with trying to insinuate that the union is anything other than the workers yeah and like that's a big reason why in campaigns you got to get the workers on the record more so you can get the even a elected rank and file um leader leader of the union or, you or can't elected, give them yeah. that space to try to claim like, oh, the union is some third party when the union is absolutely composed of the workers. That's a fantastic point that you just made. You know, in the past, in in, in the past, there was less outlets for people to for rank and file members, I suppose, to have access to media. Now, at this point, there's a saturation where there's no shortage of access for media or I'm sorry, for members to get into and get involved with media uh, or any kind of way to get their message out. And that tells me that there needs to be a bit of a, uh, uh, there needs to be a, 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 there needs to be a, a way to sort of cohere that message amongst everyone. And, so mm -hmm. this is, this is really interesting. And actually in this podcast, I didn't clip the audio from it, but um, they actually did bring up that employers basically should keep an eye out for workers expressing their grievances through Twitter, through Facebook, through social media, yeah. all of these ways to get their message out that weren't accessible to workers in the past, that they now have direct access to ways to get their message out that they didn't used to. But Diana brought up a term that I think is really important called third partying. Yes. And that's something that, you know, having been a worker that was organizing and having been a staff organizer, that is the key to any union busting playbook is the idea that we want a direct relationship between you, the workers, and us management. And of course, you can come to us with anything. We're a family. Open door policy. You know, which, honestly, or if Britain's growing up, yeah, if growing up, my dad gave me everything that I wanted, I mean... <laughs> I probably needed to organize. Um, so <laughs> that just means you didn't on, want it enough. Yeah. I mean, so realistically, I mean, that is like the key to the union busting playbook is this idea that 
a union is a third party that's coming in and getting between you and your supervisor, um, getting between you and the boss. And sometimes we do this to ourselves as unions. We third party ourselves. We refer to the union rather than our union. Thank us. you. Over yeah, us. But I mean, this is key to the union busting playbook is this idea that unions are like some outside thing um, that's outside the workers when like Diana and Jeff both put it like it is the workers. Without workers, there's no union, period. But like when when bosses do come in and they sort of like say like they, they, they claim to speak directly to workers, which happens sort of across the board and they sort of um, orient unions as a third party entity which happens which is like a, a very uh, a very fundamental strategy in terms of coming against any kind of worker organizing um and i mean this takes place not just when new unions are forming forming but also when um existing unions are in place right and, and i work in the public sector and, and the same kind of thing happens um, maybe not to the same degree and to the same sort of spe specific um, components, but I guess to say that 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 if you can sort of like cleave the representatives of workers from workers, then you can disempower workers because that's not uh, that's a way to sort of like cut out the legs from underneath them. Right. I mean, the entire idea of the whole kind of direct relationship between employers and uh, and labor is to cut out any kind of attempt at collective action. Um, what do you need they a union want for? We have an open-door policy. We got all this great stuff that's in place. What more could you possibly ever want? Which, of course, you know, any person that has ever gone to management individually with a problem knows that at best, they're going to nod and they'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, we hear you, okay. Nothing's going to happen out of it. Um, and at worst, you're just going to get completely shut out or fired. Um, and the only way to actually make management take you seriously is with a union. So before we get into some of the ways that uh, management can bust existing unions, there's a, I think that we, we should visit what employers think uh, are the reasons that workers are organizing right now. So we've got a clip from this podcast about um, what it is that might be driving workers to organize during uh, during this pandemic. To your point, if you have employees who just don't like the temperature taking protocols or some other safety protocols uh, that are newly instituted when they get back to work, that may be breeding ground for them to uh, want to organize collectively. Oh, can you believe it that workers want to organize against not spreading the plague right now? Oh, Disgusting. no, no, it's it's even better than that. They want they think that workers are going to organize because because they don't want safety protocols. They think that workers don't want I mean, if, if, the entire clip is all about them talking about, oh, workers don't want to actually have to wait in line to get their temperature taken. And so they're going the to organize a union because they don't want safe work environments. It, I, it's I a just, total misrepresentation of what, what workers want. I mean, because I mean, I can't think of a single person in the entire world who wants to go to who wants to like. Wake up in the morning, go to a place where they have to work, 
um, and say, you know what? I really hope that this place is unsafe, and I'm willing to work. I'm, I'm willing to organize with the rest of the people who are doing this job to make sure that this place is as dangerous as it can possibly be, so I can get my family sick, and maybe they'll die. Who knows? I mean. All of the workers, uh, union workers especially, like the key issue for unions right now, especially unions for frontline workers, is ensuring safety protocols. Go to any kind of grocery store and, you know, the the glass shields that unions have uh, in a lot of examples like UFCW 1776 here in Pennsylvania have bargained to make sure that- 1776 in Pennsylvania, good good God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's a little on the nose, isn't it? I'm sorry that we're the birthplace of American democracy. Um, so, hey, Cali boy. Yeah, okay. We're, we're, we're ignoring that I'm from California. Um, I've drank the Kool-Aid in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Um, but, I mean, these are things that unions, like front and center, are, with unions both in bargaining and in legislative advocacy, is worker safety more than anything. And that's always been the case. OSHA, for example, which, you know, is... God knows where we'd be without OSHA right now. Um, we kind of don't that have came them out of right now. We kind of don't have them right now in the way that we should and we could. Right. But I mean, like, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, OSHA isn't nearly as effective as it should be right now because of the current administration. But I mean, just think about how bad it would be. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's true. If we didn't have an OSHA at all, if we didn't have any standards, then things would be significantly like they would be significantly worse. I don't know. One of the things that I get really concerned about and really worried about during this time specifically is the actual functional implementation of the policies that are on paper because of the nature of the crisis that we're existing and going through right now. Does that make sense? Like the fact that that, that, that workers are so imperiled because of the uh, tr- like like incredibly traumatic situation that are put in. Um, I kind of, I, I kind of am concerned, like to a very like deep extent, the fact that when when you're out to work and you're like, wow, I really need this job because nobody's got jobs right now, and like, you know, I, I need these, you know, this nine dollar an hour, um, you know, working at at um at the grocery store job. Why would I call OSHA and imperil my own situation and maybe potentially shut this job, such as workplace down? When there is no like guarantee that uh, that would be a bad situation for that worker, even right? I don't know. I think I think that the situation is forcing, mm-hmm. like forcing it, it. It does present an opportunity for unions in the way that these bosses fear, because they know that at the end of the day, like people who go to the grocery store aren't wanting to to work at the grocery store aren't wanting to work in dangerous conditions that put their lives on the line like they do not want this and so if they're periled as you said like bad enough to need to go to work to need to have an income and then they're forced in a situation that puts their lives on the line then like they're more likely to partake in like work workplace activity with whatever union that's coming in and i think the bosses recognize that yeah. it's a lose-lose for their end yeah. because they they ultimately know too and like by even having a conversation even the tone that they take in the conversation on this podcast 
the implication is that they're trying to figure out how to continue putting profits over their workers. And they know that the workers are going to present uh, a moment for them to be like lessening on their profits because they're going to have to be taken care of. And mm -hmm. so they're start they're trying to strategize around that because it's their own admission in that and by like proceeding that way it's their own admission that they care about their the and the bottom line more than they care about their workforce and i think that is really what union busting is about mm -hmm. yeah 100 so i think that one of the things that we might have to revisit in a later episode we've talked a lot about union busting as it kind of goes on with non-union or unorganized workplaces and the different ways that bosses um, bosses actually try to keep you know keep organizing out of the workplace and there really are these kind of like identifiable playbooks the third partying of the union emphasizing that we're a family management has an open door policy there are a whole bunch of different things that literally from it doesn't matter what campaign it is or where it is. You're going to see the exact same response from employer to employer. And the reason behind it is they're employing the same law firms. Law, law firms like Proskauer Rose, which is one of the major union busters in the country, or Cousin O'Connor, which we dunked on their podcast, or any number of other yeah. union busting law firms. Ballard Spar, based in Philadelphia, is one that I've dealt with. Um, and these law firms have their tentacles into politics in both parties. Um, Ed Rendell, former governor of Pennsylvania and a prominent, you know, Clintonite Democrat, um, is a senior partner in uh, Ballard Spar, and they're very active in political donations. And um, and so, you know, th they become it's big business to bust unions. Yes, absolutely. It's a ton of profit. Um, and you've got this entire complex that makes their money in these mega law firms around busting unions. But so we've talked a little bit about um, how that goes on in non-union workplaces and the tactics that employers use and what that means for workers. I guess in a maybe on a later podcast, we can re revisit this topic and talk a little bit about how employers try to get rid of unions where they already exist or at least mitigate um, them in terms of like you have a union in name only and they don't actually functionally represent or well, well they will functionally represent the workers to a certain degree however mm -hmm. there are sort of like rails by which these um organizations will not um like they're they kind of like draw these hard lines where by which they're these are the terms of what is under discussion yeah. And I mean, there there are political ways. There are places at the level of, you know, the corporation or the even the workplace that employers try to undermine existing employee organizations. They try to do it through action directly against employees. They try to do it legislatively. So this is something that we should definitely revisit in a future episode. Um, for now, though, I think that we've covered a lot of how how employers try to keep unions out of their workplace. Yeah. Yeah. We really have. So I think that we're honestly, we're not going to do a union buster of the week this week because the entire episode has been on union Connor. busting. Yeah. I mean, I will we'll give a shout all out to them. Yeah. All of them. We'll we'll give a shout out to all of them. Um, Cousin O'Connor and um, the, 
the guys in their basements uh, recording their very cool podcast. Um, the time is now. I will say this. Honestly, though, the time is now. I will say this. Honestly, question, though, um, that I have. Can we make that the lead into our. Can we make that the lead into yes. our? Um, can ours be yeah. the time is now? Forever yeah, and ever, like, amen. Literally, that recording is going to be the lead into our Union Buster of the Week in the future. I will say this question, and I think this is something we can sort of like leave for ourselves and for our listeners: is what can we do? And we don't need to answer it tonight. But what can we do to sort of like engage with this kind of approach of, you know, union busterism and all this union disgusterism that is taking place? And I think that is a actually like to like in terms of like a mission for like what this show could potentially be going forward. I think that is very, very worthy of uh in terms of a question to answer i think that one of the things that we can accomplish with this uh, and listeners absolutely if you have thoughts about this please uh, reach out to us um if you can, we'll help, open up if you can help let us know i mean too because yeah. i mean we're not claiming to have all the answers we're just uh we're out there with you we're doing what we can i think that the goal of this podcast in part is to make sure to educate you know like to to talk through some of these issues with listeners to try to bring some of these questions to folks that may know the labor movement more, may know it a little bit less. Um, so anyway, to wrap up, um, I think we're just about out of time. So um, as always, uh, you can follow each of us on Twitter. Um, I'm at the house red. Uh, Jeff is at eminent prof uh, P R O F. Um, and of course, Diana is uh, at Heya Diana, H E Y A Diana. Um, follow all of us individually on Twitter. Um, and of course, make sure to follow uh, Union Thought Pod at Union T H O T Pod um, on Twitter. And definitely like, like us on like, your fan, favorite. subscribe, and hit the yeah. bell. Yeah. Like us on your favorite uh, podcasting platform. But. Um, thank you, everyone, for uh, tuning in. Hopefully we've brought some interesting information on union busting, and uh, we'll see you next week. The time is now. The time is now.